It's that time again. The American Soccer Show is back to talking all things soccer in America. Eric Alcantar here with Emmett McConnell to do just that after spending the last month talking about nothing World Cup, nothing but World Cup. We're back to our bread and butter, MLS. And this is what the people have been waiting for. They got tired of all the World Cup stuff. They wanted. They came to the American Soccer Show to hear about American soccer. Isn't that right? I uh, that's what they tell me. That's what the that's what the listeners tell me. That's what the title tells me. That's what the title tells me, which is very important when naming something is sticking to said title. Yeah, we we got a little off track, but we're back, and we're back to MLS, the greatest league in the world. Back and uh, to use the bread and butter thing, butter than ever. <laughs> I think I might just died a little bit on the inside. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That was a good joke, folks. Yay. <laughs> Witty humor. Our best yet. Our best joke yet. We, we, we really provided all here. So, but before we get back to MLS, I know, I know we're stall- I'm stalling again, but and it's necessary because we have some U.S. Open Cup to discuss. The Chicago Fire will be traveling to face the Philadelphia Union, and LAFC will be traveling to Houston to face off in the Open Cup semifinals. Now, this was not without some controversy. It's already been resolved, unfortunately, so there's not as much to talk about. LAFC basically were called out by Portland for using too many uh, foreign players, and it basically went to the committee, the U.S. Open Cup committee, who basically said that, yeah, um, we told them that it was okay, and upon further inspection of the rules, we may have been uh, wrong. So if you could please just drop your protest... We would greatly appreciate it. That's that's basically what happened here. And they did. And they did. Portland, nice enough to do that. I imagine Portland will be playing all of their Open Cup games at home for the foreseeable future. That's a nice little thank you for yeah, you know just I mean, that's just the way the go. draw is going to go. You know that's just the way it is. It's right? just it's, the draw. It's, it's a random luck. draw. It's a luck of the draw. So that's funny. Uh, the other thing is, of course, that as far as I know, the U.S. Open Cup semifinals will only be on. Uh, U.S. Soccer's website. I I don't I haven't seen any indication that that will change. And seeing as we're about a week away from the games now, a little bit a little bit more than a week away, I I have to imagine that that's the way it's going to be. So we we will get to watch the third ever American Soccer Show Cup on USSoccer.com, which is not ideal, but still it's going to be a great experience. I can't wait for the Fire to finally get their victory back over the oh, Union. Oh God! Yeah, and that's for, not going to happen. And and it would just and that's it. You know, it cancels out the other two. So that's that's the good news. There's no chance that happens. No chance. Really, we do no want chance. we do want to put out there that no chance. you know uh, this game is the game to end all. It's this cup to end all cups in the Amer- for the American Soccer Show. It is Union literally have a, all Union have an here. easy two nothing lead in the competition, but going down two one this way would not be would not be great. I think they got a they got a uh, <laughs> okay not easy, but uh, going for the sweep. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> not, it's not, worth... not until not until the fire in the Union meet in the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, then that's a final game of the sweep. Now, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, the Union and uh, uh, will be hosting this game. But they, if they go through, they will not be allowed to host the final. That's right. The Chicago Fire, believe it or not, drew the number one, meaning they will host the final no matter what happens if they are to win this game. If the Union go through, either LAFC or Houston will host the final. All I can say is if you know, if, if you were just an Eastern Conference fan and you would think, oh, I just want a team from the East to win, you'd probably root for the Fire because you would think the Union on the road against a team that's above average in LAFC or Houston – zero chance of winning so 
uh, if the Union win this one, congrats on losing in, uh, I think it'll be their third ever final. Um, if the Fire win, congrats on having a shot at winning uh, another U.S. Open Cup. Yes, so we will be eagerly anticipating that one next week. I'm sure it'll be a barn burner of a game. It is literally all on the line. The players will be informed that, they, that they're not just playing for a spot in the final. They're also playing for the prestigious American Soccer Show Cup. Which is, uh, it's living life large in Chester right now. I know Bridgie's got an empty spot in that large uh, trophy cabinet <laughs> just waiting for one more. Yeah, yeah. So the first two were child's play. This is where this is where things get going. So, all right, now we can go back to MLS for real. Uh, I do want to mention that technically part of this week was Minnesota United's 2-1 victory over New England. But there's just there's just no time to go back almost a week and talk about that game when we've been gone for so long. So congratulations, Minnesota. We'll actually talk about them a little more when we get to their game. And we begin. Atlanta United 3, DC United 1. So Wayne Rooney's second game doesn't quite go as well as the first. And we talked a lot about what would happen if DC United got to this point in the season, hadn't completely fallen out of it because, I mean, it's kind of difficult to do, but it is certainly possible to play yourself out of the playoff race at this point in the season. You have to be pretty rough, and even as bad as D.C. United were, they didn't quite get to that point. So they made it to this point, right? Their their stadium's opened. Only one person's been hit by falling debris in there. Probably not a good thing that that happened already. That early on. They they have probably, I think it was looked at the, the, the easiest remaining schedule. Another big positive. They've they got Wayne lot. Rooney coming in. They have a lot of home games coming moving forward. I think I think Stryker's been their weakest position. I'm not a big Darren Maddox guy. I think that they uh, their midfield has some real strong points. Their defense has holes, but they had nothing up top. Um, not the first team. We've holes seen is in putting it nicely, to be honest. But yeah, it's not been it's not the most complete team. And I'm not saying Wayne Rooney, you know, coming into it is suddenly going to fix all the problems. Just like how I said Zlatan coming in isn't going to fix all of LA Galaxy's problems. But it certainly doesn't hurt. He doesn't look lo- he doesn't look lost out there. He doesn't look like he's lost for any kind of effort. So that's that's usually what you need, right? I don't imagine that he's going to be bad in MLS, at least not this season. So. They've got that going for them. They did get off to a good start in this one. It was a goal from Zoltan Stieber. Stieber. Stieber? All right. Zoltan Stieber on a counterattack. But this is all, after this, it's basically all Atlanta. Joseph Martinez now has the most hat tricks in MLS history, breaking a tie with, and I can't believe this is a real name, John Stern, who had one of the greatest names in MLS history. I it was Stern John. No, it's John Stern. Ah, uh, Stern John sounded better. I, it's just amazing to me. So... That uh, Martinez's goals were also I basically from like a combined twenty feet out because they're almost all header. The two of them are headers, and then it's just amazing to me that um, that he's just so good at putting himself in that kind of space. And you know, it's it shows DC United's defending is not great, like you mentioned. It shows Atlanta's just so good at getting the ball to their playmakers and making them and letting them do what they want and need to do. It's great. So there's that. DC United, uh, two games so far. I'd say it's still too early to start casting judgment. Obviously, this game was in Atlanta, so it's not quite an indication of how they'll be doing at home where they are technically undefeated in their new stadium. Uh, It's going to be interesting because I think they have more talent than maybe some people realize, right? Because, you know, you, you were going through some some of the bad, but, you know, the, the, Aureola's not a bad player. He's he's a solid piece. Assad, uh, coming from Atlanta, is a good player. Uh, Zoltan Stieber is, came in has actually been pretty uh, pretty helpful for them there. Obviously, Luciano Acosta, one of the more technically uh, strong players in the entire league, really. Uh, great on the ball. I mean, even Burnbaum in the back uh, is someone who can be relied on. But outside of that, 
the, you know, I don't know how many guys will be playing on other teams in that league. On that, you know, it's true. They're gonna need. They're gonna need their good players to really be good if they want to succeed at any point this season. Uh, so jumping to the other side now, because there there is a topic of discussion that needs to be brought up, and that is that Ezekiel Barco was suspended by Tata Martino for this game, or at least that was the word beforehand, because now it's in the days since it's been said that he's not been suspended, so to speak, but he was basically held out of the 18 because of uh, breaking a team rule. And it's now coming to light sort of what happened. It started as a bit of a rumor, but now people are saying it is now the worst kept secret in the league. And that is that Ezekiel Barco has made romantic advances on Brandon Vasquez's wife. I, so, I again, I'm not I, I'm not the moral police, so to speak. Barco's married, by the way, for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, I, I don't, from at least from purely the sporting standpoint of it, I don't know what the next move is for Atlanta. Because you've invested a lot in Barco. I, I cannot imagine a world where you're gonna you're gonna say you know uh, shove off and you know sell him somewhere else or just release him and let him go wherever he wants. And then at the same time, I also can't see a world where he and Brandon Vasquez are going to be able to play on the same team. And even if you know, let's just say they ship off Vasquez, right? He's a 19 year old. He's got some potential. I certainly don't think he'd be too hard to find a suitor. The reality is that it's too late to keep. You know, it's too late to keep Barco around in the sense that I think that everybody in that locker room has already probably taken a side. Everyone knows what's happened there. And I I just don't know where you go from here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that uh, Atlanta wants to hold on to Barco, given what they've put into it. But uh, reasonable assumption. It it's 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 interesting. It's the kind of uh, drama that makes MLS such an interesting league. I, I tell you the, what, you, we we wanted to be a major league. This is how you get there. You, you this get, is John Terry levels of amazing. This, yeah, you get, you get the tabloids after these people. This is great. I mean, but actually, I mean, I have to think that they put too much in Barco to say that this is going to be what set makes them say, "Oh, you can't stay here. We're gonna have to get rid of you." I think they'll have to they'll bring them both in. I know they're not really you know much of adults, but say because they're both teenagers, but say hey, come in, be adults, shake hands, get over it. It's over with. Atlanta will try that. We'll see if that works. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Bad I, career move by Barco, by the way, because Barco is like what he can't be over six it, foot tall. It worked and, for Ryan Giggs. It worked for John it, Terry. It worked for Mara Wicardi. I mean, if you're that good, you're that good. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot about Icardi. I guess I was gonna say it's an Argentine thing, but that's clearly not. That's not a thing. So, but yeah, that's that's really funny to think about. Is it does seem to be a great career move, all things considered. I meant more so like, I guess in the chance that Brandon Vasquez decides to take justice into his own hands. Because Vasquez is six three. That that's not a good move. So he's if it did come to uh, to fisticuffs. I think he'd put your money on Vasquez, but if it came to who Atlanta wants to keep more, I think they'd stick with Barco. FYI, Barco is 5'6". So he is seeding basically half a foot. That's that's a lot. Basically a half fight. a foot. You mean two? Th- mean three quarters of a foot? I, I, you never know. Vasquez is probably exaggerated. Barco, I, I don't see the point in giving him two or three inches. when he, If he's like if he was 5'4", might as well just list him at 5'4". At that Honestly, point. That's nine inches. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, there you go. So, math major over here. Wasn't a math major, and you know it. <laughs> All right. So we move on. Seattle Sounders 2, Vancouver Whitecaps 0. A bit of a no, – not a bit of. A derby, right? Very big rivalry up there in Cascadia. 
border a little crossing. bit of a rivalry. It's hard. My it's hard for God. me to get up for this. Like, come on, both teams are so like are so average this season. Average. Oh, you're right. Man. Seattle's been putrid at times this season. I mean, <sighs> Vancouver, however, is the definition of average. Portland's been good. Seattle has been. That's not Portland. Who do you say? I said Seattle and Vancouver. Vancouver. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The, the definition that's... of average. That is average. Vancouver and about, to, about to get more average, by the way, with the moves, the big news breaking. Of uh, of course, uh, of Alfonso Davis. Uh, yeah, uh, the thing is, Vancouver is on the down. Seattle's on the up. Uh, Vancouver Point was first in the West, looking Those pretty strong. Were the days. And they're ninth currently, uh, playing twenty-one games. They're six points ahead of Seattle currently, with two more games played. But I think we're entering that time of the year where Seattle decides we're going to start trying now. This isn't the first time we've seen them close to rock bottom, turn around, make the playoffs, and then win an MLS Cup. Just saying. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking third time's the charm for that one. I think this is the one that gets away from them. I, 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 it can't happen again, right? It can't keep being terrible for the first keep half. getting away with it. <laughs> and then coming back around. And, uh, yeah, it's brutal. Vancouver, I think they've been figured out. That they're they've only have a few, a few strengths, so they're kind of on the other side of they're on the the wrong side of. I'd like to think this, this game this point of the season basically ended when Seattle got that early penalty goal for Vancouver was like well, there went the game plan. So there's that, but then there's also the second goal came off what was either the slightest deflection of all time, or just one of the worst looking misplays by Marinovic that you could possibly have. Now I have his goalkeepers union rep here who I, we were watching this. I thought one. it was a, def- I thought it was a deflection, but every time we looked at the replay, I'm like, but I can't find it. Like it makes sense that there would have been a deflection because otherwise he looks, he just dives the wrong way. He looks horrible in that. Yeah. So basically, uh, Ladero hits a curler with his left foot. He's on the left side of the box. So the ball's curling away towards the right side, which is pretty uncommon when you think of long distance shots. Cause this was pretty far out. Uh, and Marinovich for some reason dives to his right. As the ball's curling to his left. Yeah, I don't know. Either he didn't get a view of it, and he thought the ball was knuckling, uh, and that it was going to be good, or he just didn't see the spin, or it took a deflection. I, I like to th- I like to think it was a deflection because otherwise it. And if you look at his reaction, it looks like a goalie reacting to a deflection where he dives and has to stick his arm backwards to make a save. That's. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. That's, I'm not. I know what you're talking about. I'm not convinced it was a deflection because every time I look, I'm at not it, convinced it was a deflection. It's just like it's so, but it's so big. The alternative is so bad, yeah. Because I can live with the deflection. Like obviously, there's not much he can do about it once he's gone the wrong way. But oh man, that's not not a good look for him. Goalkeepers apparently not safe in MLS either. Not safe anywhere. Not safe anywhere. Not even not even on this podcast. We move on then to Chicago Fire hosting Toronto, losing two one. Uh, the Fire have had a weird run since we've been gone, and by weird I mean pretty bad, all things considered. Uh, the fans are in full on revolt at this point because they keep trying to kick out Section One Hundred One, which is just absurd. I, I honestly don't know how front office management can believe that they that they're doing the right thing here by by doing this. I I just I, I don't know. It's it, it's a bad look for the front office. It's a bad look. 
for the fans as well involved because there there has been some stuff going on over there and I have to say that they have to do a better job policing themselves as well because if you're given that section of the of the stadium and somebody goes in and causes trouble it really it, it shouldn't necessarily have to be this way but somebody's got to you know identify that guy and say that if it and if it is one of the members you, you got to let them you got to push him out it's the same thing that's kind of happened at LAFC where there's kind of, there's been fights started and they don't really want to sell the guy out even though you kind of need to because if you don't it, it sort of forces the front office hand. Like I said, it's an oversimplification of a bad situation. And the fire front office has clearly had it out for Section 101 for a long time. Because they have a long history of doing things like, well, you know, we don't really like them. But they've already been here so long that it's hard to just push them out. So they finally had something happen. I mean, they're, they're your supporters section. You have to have some sort of, like, respect for the, them, like, boosting the team, right? It's absurd. They're the only ones making noise, like, 90% of the time. Now, hold on. Let's go this up. Because the Chicago Fire has two supporter sections. Yeah. Is this the one that is behind? No. The goal on the left side or the one in the corner? The one in the corner. So, I, I get that one because that side, they are the ones that make sound, right? Yes. The other side is the one that's... Uh, now, that's no slight on the people behind the goal, too. Uh, section eight. I, that's no. There's no. There's no sliding on my part here. I'm just saying that the ones in the corner are the ones making the most noise. So that they have the, the drums. Time. Right. They're the ones. The thing is, their their noise is generally drums. I don't hear as much singing coming from them when I've been at games, but they're also kind of obnoxious. Right. They're the, they throw they throw streamers in the field. Okay, that's fun. But there was a moment of silence. Uh, I think it was in the Houston game after there was the the school shooting down there, and they just played through it. Like, like they, they has to be some have some respect. Yeah, they're it's, not. I it's mean, absolutely they're, appalling. They're the entire blame, stadium is quiet, and they're playing their drums and singing. They're not it. blameless. It's nonsense. That's why I went on. That's why I talked about you know. Let's face. They have to do better self policing themselves because there there has got to be some order, right? Especially when you're not your entire section. Yeah, they're they're like so. Not to say they're not their own section, but right in the supporter section, there is a section to the left and to the right, but it's also pretty like pretty cut off all things considered you have a little bit of space whereas them it's basically just a regular section of the stadium cut off for them that they yeah that they just get i mean you're the front office you had enough problems with these guys you have two supporter sections here i wouldn't i don't think it's too crazy to say okay this section you need to take a break you you've been over the top go sit with the other fans that's not what they said though they, they just kicked them out yeah get rid of them i don't i don't care how you deal with it it's i i think they're over the top uh, I, I get the whole idea of having the supporters, and these are ones that are actually seem like they care about the team, uh, and that's kind of hard to find in Chicago at the point, at this point. But I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of them. Uh, good, good for Chicago for standing up for the the fire for standing up to them. We could be here all day with this, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let that go. The other thing that's happened, basically, they lost out on Fernando Torres and the Fernando Torres sweepstakes. They bought Katai two months later than was necessary. Uh, they've gone ahead and acquired Nicholas Hasler, Raheem Edwards, Nicholas Del Greco, and Rodrigo Ramos. And all it basically cost the fire was money and John Baccaro. Which leads me to an ex- the next problem here is that the fire, if you'll remember, traded up in the draft for this. And, yeah. Well, so he didn't look good in the early in the season in games. There must be something below the scenes where he's just in training was absolutely dreadful because they didn't give him much of a chance after that, and when he did, he also went missing. Yeah, he's, so uh, that's a sunk cost. I I, I don't yeah. necessarily disagree with you know parting ways with a sunk cost when it clearly wasn't going to work, but I'm just saying. Not the best look for the front office when you're trying to, you know, display this kind of oh yeah we're geniuses we know exactly what we're doing. Better than I guess you know bring it back to Philadelphia sticking C.J. Sapong out there game after game after he's continues to 
uh, fall flat on his face. So Yikes. at least they can accept their failures. This is true. Uh, personally, I like the idea of investing in the positions that those players came from. Uh, it should have happened before the season started. I, I know I'm like basically looking at everything like glass half empty because, oh, they finally get replacements, and here I am complaining about them coming too late. But that's literally what they should have done before the season started. So congratulations for, I guess, finally doing something sensible. I don't know. We talked about that. They didn't really have they, a, a lot of depth in many positions. They were heavy in others. This was, uh, I think, a good move, especially Edwards. We talked about it. They didn't really have a lot of... A lot of depth on the wings. Yeah, it's true. And a couple so wingers, really. Here he can start on the left. A common complaint among the fans, Toronto, where he came from, is that he was not being allowed to play on the right enough. I, yeah. Not being allowed to play on the left enough. But that's where you want Katai on the left. Yeah, Katai can play on both. He's shown he can play on both, so it's fine. You got to give him. You got to give him a chance to play. I think Edwards looked pretty good against Toronto in this game, all things considered. Yeah, and I think he's a decent signing. It gives him some pace, something they really haven't had an ability to get behind. Katai it's true. We miss quick. we miss David Akam dearly. Uh, so maybe not this Akam, but yeah, but it's something up their alley. Uh, so I think it's a good sign for them. Also, he's out of Montreal, best. not out of Toronto. Yeah, I just realized I wanna, he started in Toronto. He came from now, Toronto. Once I didn't want to yeah, say no, it. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, this one's on me. I, he's not the best winger in the league, but I think he's what the Chicago needs right now. That's true. Uh, Sanchez, still not very good. Nothing's changed on that front, at least. Bad giveaway by the fire, and he can't cut off Osorio, who scores the winner in the 65th minute. Not totally his fault, because it's a horrific giveaway that should never happen in that part of the field, but at the same time, it kind of goes to show again, he's not very good coming off his line, and it shows all the time. Yeah, he's. We talk about goalies wanting to win you points. He's a guy who's I think lost Chicago points overall this year. You think? Uh yeah. Like I think. remember when we got here? I I, the, I, I just the said first I game we watched where he basically like punched the ball back into play when there was no need to and yeah, it's just he didn't have two good games. He's trying too much. He had two good games. He's trying too hard. And so the problem I feel here bad for in that sense, yeah, the problem here for he is young, but the problem here for Chicago is that it was against. Uh, playoff rival contender Toronto who's not doing so hot but when we look at the table is now only four points behind Chicago with two in hand uh, so Chicago woes are increasing uh, looking forward to the Open Cup I think oh yeah getting that Champions League spot that's big I don't think anybody wants to see the fire in the Champions League I don't blame them uh, Toronto like you mentioned might be on their own turnaround Got uh, Josie Altador back, which means that they're inching closer to their preferred 11, it looks like. Uh, they've still lost four of their last six, and they sit nine points behind a playoff spot. Uh, the Fire, meanwhile, five points of back of an own, their own playoff spot. We'll see. The East is going to get interesting now, because if Toronto really do start to pick it up, it's going to be make a difficult matchup for anybody. And we have a lot of teams that are either on big highs and on big lows after coming off of big highs. So we have we've a lot it, of moving parts after basically yeah. New York Red Bulls and down. We, when we said it before about uh, we say there's four contenders that we know who are going to get in, even right, right now it might not be so certain. So uh, the, the rest of the season is going to get uh, very interesting with I think pretty much every team is in the running given that D.C. is so many games behind. This right, is true. Right I now know. there's six games behind Chicago with 16 played. That's absurd. I don't know how that happened. Uh, the Philadelphia Union, they hosted the LA Galaxy and lost 3-1. to one. Uh, I got good news and bad news for you, Emmett. Good news is CJ Sapong finally scored for the first time since April. Since April, Emmett. 
He hasn't scored since April. And it was the ugliest goal I've seen this season where he barely strikes across and has it bounce off Bingham's feet into the back of the net. So CJ Zapong, when he finally scores, also has to score the ugliest goal of the season. He's not exactly known for scoring nice goals. I'll put it out there first and foremost. <laughs> Second of all, I mentioned earlier, stick front office sticking to their guns. Look at no, it didn't pay off, let's be honest. That one did not pay off in any way. I was way. just going to say, bad news is it all went downhill from there. From so the union. Th- this game was an, uh, if you got the chance to watch it, absolute I'm sorry. monsoon. Yeah, that's... Almost that's... hard to watch the game because of how heavily it was raining. There was, it, was, it was like thick with just raindrops. And the players were soaked. They couldn't even like open their eyes. It was so coming down so hard. I've played in rain like that before. It's not fun. It's a little bit of rain. A little drizzle can be pl- pleasant. Slicks the surface up a little bit. That was like they're they're playing in the ocean basically. So, uh, I mean, first half Union looked good. Got the one nothing lead off of the uh, goal of the year candidate, right? From Sapong. Depends on what kind of goal of the year we're talking about. One of the worst goals of the year. And then the Galaxy three in the second half. Uh, it's kind of stuff from the Galaxy that I think we've been saying can put them in a position to make a playoff run. Clearly, it's because they finally got both DeSantos brothers out there at the same time. They have both DeSantos brothers. They got uh, Zlatan. They got Kamara. They got Chris Pontius making his return to Philadelphia. Love that, to see that. Was that. Clearly, that Thanks was clearly something we should have seen coming. Chris Pontius' revenge game. Uh, unlucky he didn't get his goal. And Alessandrini working well on the wing. But when the you, bench. And when you think about it, uh, when this was coming out, I did I was kind of frustrated that the Union couldn't break through because they had five guys up on your back line at all times between Alessandrini, Dos Santos, Pontius was way up the field, uh, and uh, Kamara and Ibrahimovic. All they had to do was break through that, and they have whatever uh, whatever on five, basically. Uh, they, they couldn't really get through and do that. Uh, the rain definitely seemed to affect them. It seems like the Galaxy, the, their skill showed, showed right through the rain. They, they could deal with it. The Union really couldn't, and uh, for a team that doesn't win on the road, it's tough to lose at home. It is tough to lose at home. and I have Always to give, tough to lose at home. It, I have to give the Galaxy this. They have really tried everything. I, I have to give Siggy Schmidt and everybody, every, all the players. Chris Pontius has played right wing back for them in this game. I mean, to get that desperate, because I, I got to tell you, when I look at Chris Pontius I, and I see his skill set, it doesn't really scream wing back to me. I don't well, know about you. I, I get where you're coming at, but the guy could... You look at his build, not just his technical ability, but you could think he plays almost anywhere. He's like 6'1", he's ripped, he has like all muscle, and he's fast. The thing is, he's not great technically. So he's been a winger who probably shouldn't have been a winger his whole career. He probably is more suited to a central position where he can use his strength. Um, But he does it because he's got some speed, okay... He more, he more gets in the box and heads the ball, which has been his, all his goals for the Galaxy so far is just getting in the box. So, yeah, strange to put him at wing back where he's not really known. I He could turn into a decent Take, defender. Taking a page out of the Juventus playbook, move your strike well. not Forward. Necessary, yeah, we'll call him a forward to wing back. It's genius. Absolutely Works genius. Again. And the Galaxy now is sitting in fourth place, oh. just two points behind Sporting Kansas City, who is so highly praised early in the season. Seems to have dropped off. Just a little bit, but I remember my bounce back pick this season, the Galaxy looking real good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we said this earlier, Dallas, LAFC, Sporting, LA Galaxy looked like good contenders. Portland just tied with the Galaxy as well. We kind of thought would be in there. And it was that sixth spot that I gave to Dynamo, but it's anybody's right now. It's, it's anybody's as well. Uh, I think we'll, but in the end, I think it's going to be similar as last year where the last two, three spots 
are decided on the last day in the West. Yeah. All right. We move on to the New York Red Bulls hosting the New England Revolution and winning 2 nothing. Uh, since we've been gone, it seems the Revolution have hit a bit of a dry patch. They've got five points in their last 18, possible 18, so not good for Brad Friedel's side. The Red Bulls, meanwhile, have won five of six and just really can't stop winning. I think my favorite part about this game, though, is not you know any of the goals scored in it. You know, Bradley Wright Phillips continues to be Bradley Wright Phillips. It's we could very well be witnessing a starting eleven in this game with the highest average number I have ever seen. This was the this were these were the numbers that made up the Red Bull starting eleven. 31, 92, 33, 26, 62, 90, 27, 77, 10, 4, 99 for an average of 50. It's it's one of those things where like the first team players all have the low numbers and so you know, oh, nine is taken, but I want to be a forward. So what's the next? Oh, I'll take 90 because it's 90. Oh, that one's taken, but I want more nines. Give me 99. That is, it's amazing to me how this happened. They even subbed on a 78 and a 7 and a 19, but nobody cares about that. What are these, football numbers? This is amazing. Only offensive linemen can be 60s and 70s? That, this is amazing. Great job by the Red Bulls, who, again, continue to win no matter who's there, no matter who the coach is. Since we've been gone, Jesse Marsh has moved on to greener pastures over in Europe for Red Bull Leipzig, assistant managing there. And we've mentioned it before, when you come into a team that's playing like this as a new coach, this was the assistant coach, so he knows how things are run, first off. Um, doesn't really, most likely, doesn't have to earn the respect of the players all over again. They know him, but you have to earn the respect of the fans and the media. But you, you basically come in and you say, right. Are you harassing him at press conferences? Let's keep, I wish I could be. You come in and you say, all right, keep on doing what you're doing. Let's just, whatever's working is working. Let's keep on chugging. Until something goes wrong and you have to fix it. Hard to argue with the results right now in good old Harrison, New Jersey. Speaking of results, Columbus Crew get one against Orlando City at home, 3-2. Uh, just two wins since May 6th for Orlando City and MLS. They have two wins and a loss in the Open Cup in that time. To say they've fallen off is a tremendous understatement. Talk about a team that has been losing a lot since we've been gone from MLS. They fired their manager, and... They've tried to start anew. It's still yet to work, by the way. They they seem to have tried to go on for the uh, let's fire the manager midseason and see if we can get a good, a good boost out of that. Hasn't worked so far. Uh, as for the actual game, Orlando will rue the chance they missed in the 62nd minute. Big save by Stefan and a bad touch by Pino leads to their 2-1 lead staying that way. And this is important because it's self-destruction from there. They give up a penalty, which I thought was pretty soft. Ghost but, penalty, you might say. Uh, I don't know if it was a ghost penalty. I mean, I see the contact. There wasn't much in it. I see the contact, I guess. I just It's a soft one to me. Zardes buries the 88th minute penalty. And then in the 92nd minute, Will Trap scores an absolute screamer. And I mean... Phenomenal. I'm honestly, like, I, I think I would have fallen out of my chair if I was there with how good of a strike it really was. I, I was away. watching that at work, and I had to try to hold back to not be like, did, did anybody else see this? The like, answer was no. No one else. No, did. nobody else. Saw no, it. Well, no, no one, one was, was in the stadium. Sorry, Columbus. Nobody was. You know, just it, it's it's remarkable, really, what they're able to do. Uh, for, for me, Orlando were absolute shambles. Uh, They've been shambles. You know, my team. You know, this is this is my team. This is this was my pet project coming in for the for the Eastern Conference. And Got so many new pieces coming in. They had that six game winning streak. Uh, I mean. It was everything was going their way. The the fans are behind them. It seemed like they'd finally kind of said, "Okay, these are the parts of the field we want to identify, and these are the parts we're going to improve." It worked for a while, but 
how many games have they lost in a row now? They they are in trouble to say the least. That they haven't kept a clean sheet in MLS since they defeated Philadelphia two nothing back in April thirteenth. As if that's not crazy enough, they've given up twenty five goals in their last seven matches. Seven seven MLS matches to be clear. They lost that one nothing Open Cup to the US to Philadelphia Union. Three and a half goals per game during that stretch. That 25 goals is more goals than the Red Bulls, NYCFC, FC Dallas, Portland, and Seattle have given up all season. In a seven-game stretch, Orlando has actually managed to concede more goals than those teams. So their negative 16 goal difference is the worst in the league. They are in they they are they are in serious trouble because I got to tell you this much too. The other problem with their roster construction and the reason I was kind of hoping that they would have a good season is because that when you make such big over uh, uh, turnover, yeah, you can say it takes time for things to gel, but the reality is we're getting into August and things still aren't really working. The problem when you do that is that you don't know what to do in the off season. Then if Orlando continue this way and let's say they just completely bottom out and finish you know second or third to last in the East. What's the game plan after that? There, it's just it's do so it difficult. Again? You can't just do that again. You can't just keep remaking the team over and over, especially when you're not the New York Red Bulls anyway. I should say you can't just keep ma- remaking the so team they don't over. Have the, and they don't have the academy. You don't. It, there's just it, it's just too difficult. It was an ambitious attempt on their part, and it was why I applauded it. But it's also it's very difficult to pull off, and when it doesn't work, it leaves you trapped in the offseason because again, there's only so many moves they can actually make. You can't trade everyone again. It's going to be difficult to find buyers for any reasonable prices. You can't just tank. This isn't, you know, this isn't the other American sports where the number one pick in the draft will come to save you. I can assure you, whoever the number one pick is will not be good enough to turn this entire team around on this. Jean Moutin Chunio. Can you imagine? The last one coming in. He, he, he's barely got a starting spot at the LAFC as it is. They had a pretty high draft pick in Chris Miller, and he's not. I mean, he's he had a, he had decent, a good, decent start. What does he have? Like two goals and an assist this year. It's not been a Three good. Goals? It's not been pretty from him. He has CJ Sapong's output. Oh my goodness. Yeah, not. It's not been good for Orlando. I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, they're gonna have to find a way because this is it. You know, they've already fired the manager. You can't fire the players. So they, they did beat Toronto. Yeah, but recently. I, yeah. Okay. So they already fired their one coach. I I have to think that at some point you have to move towards youth. But again, they don't have the academy that the Red Bulls have. Uh, there was a falling out. Apparently, Justin Merrim is going to be leaving soon. Um, who yeah. just arrived from Columbus. Apparently, back to Columbus is a possibility. A, a talented winger. Columbus will be like, yeah, we got rid of him, and we made all of this money and got and him back we'll, in half we'll, a year. Yeah, exactly. And probably for what I can't imagine will be much, given that he's basically forcing his way out now. Yeah, they'll, they'll be making uh, plenty of money on this deal. Um, I, I have to imagine, guy. it looks like Sasha Kleshin isn't exactly happy with what's going on. The veteran attacking midfielder. Um some question. I honestly wasn't so sure about that one. He's 33, 34. He's at towards the tail end of his career. How much does he have? Um, for me, Dom Dwyer is a bit of a question mark. He showed that if he has a service from Clushin, he could be, you know, be uh, dangerous. But that hasn't really happened. Other than that, on the wing, I'm not impressed. Pino, Muller, I mean, I think Merrim is some talent. But other than that, what what are they creating on the wing? That's it. Their, be- their best winger right now is their left back, El Monier. And I got to tell you, that defense is in shambles. I know I talked about all those stats, but I don't think it really hits you until you just realize how ridiculous it Three was. Three and a half goals the, a game. Those numbers, that's absurd. You can't give up those. It doesn't matter how good your offense is. You bring in DP signing Lamine Sane, who's barely even playing at this point. Amro Tarek, Egypt International. You should have a, a solid center back partner. You don't. They Christian Higuita is the only real number six. He's not really playing. So it's Yotun and uh, Ori, who's kind of... Who, People thought, oh, he could be the six to kind of fix things around. He's not doing it. 
keep moving things around until it starts working. I don't think it, it will. It has not been pretty for Orlando. The Texas Derby, the battle for El Capitan, which apparently the winner of this gets a cannon. Like, they're basically fighting instead of, like, a trophy. They're getting, like, a cannon, which is amazing. I love that. I love Texas. Everything's always bigger in Texas. Well, this one ended in a 1-1 draw. Earlier in the season, we talked about, you know, games that we would be looking forward to. I'll tell you what. Houston-Dallas, with how good Dallas has been and how good Houston's kind of been at home. Inconsistent Houston. That's always a big thing for them. We are, You never know which Houston's going to show up. So, some early fireworks in this one less than a minute in the game Matt Hedges gives Dallas the early lead only to have it equalized six minutes later by Mauro Manotas and then after that all the scoring stopped now that's not to say there weren't chances Roland Lamar in the second half has a chance to put Dallas up again but he has his penalty saved by Joe Willis congratulations we got to show the positive side of goalkeepers too not the best penalty but a good save regardless Willis, Willis had a strong game all things considered and again Lamar I think it was with the miss yeah. from like what was it like 10 yards away he ba- skies it he, in the 72nd minute he has a chance to take the lead and he just, he just puts it off the bar over it's not not a good shot on that breakaway and also VAR saves the day for Dallas as DeMarcus Beasley put a ball put a ball in for Manotas and he's ruled offside Manotas looked really excited about that goal too so I felt bad but he was offside so rules are rules VAR, gotta follow the rules good Manotas. old VAR helping us out again this game was pretty bad for both teams they both had opportunities to take the lead and they didn't take them. Not a ton of quality shots. Houston had two shots on target. Dallas had three shots on target. That's so one of each is the goal, right? And then Dallas had a penalty save, so that's one of theirs. Like so, one more shot on goal each, and it's not, and that doesn't obviously count the the one that comes off the bar because that's not on target. I think the best way to describe this game would be the Denmark Croatia World Cup game. Yes. If you're a World Cup fan, if you've been following us in that, uh, you might remember it was a real quick goal from Denmark to take the lead. Same thing here. Dallas, MLS, if, you've been, if you're familiar, a lot of the kickoff strategies is they put it back and they immediately launch it up to the corner and try to trap the team there. It finally worked. The only time I've seen it work. Dallas wins it back off of Houston. They put it across, ball goes across the field. They end up getting a cross out uh, after a corner kick and Hedges puts it home. Good for my fantasy team, by the way, in case you're wondering. We're uh, all dying after that, now. After that, for seven minutes, Houston was absolutely dominant. So, right, so Denmark gets the lead off a of, you know a set piece, and then they kind of clean up. Then Croatia's dominant. Croatia gets one. Here's Houston after being dominant. And then after that, it seems like both teams are just okay with the draw. And that's how the game ends. And that's how it goes. Rivalry if, game ends in 1-1 draw. You could feel it. After that first eight minutes, <laughs> Dallas gave everything in the first minute. Houston gave everything for the next seven minutes, and then they're both like, all right. That's, we'll call that, it even that's, there. That's what we got. And we'll get you next time. Yeah. And don't so get, everything's bigger in Texas, including a 1-1 draw. Uh, something changes have happened. Mauro Diaz left Dallas while we were gone. He was sold to a team in the United Arab Emirates that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Uh, apparently, Kellen Acosta, well, uh, when I wrote this, he is now officially heading to Colorado uh, in exchange for Dominic Baji. Questionable, do you think? I, I mean, look, at this point, I'm convinced Dallas could get something out of anybody. So, yeah, I, I think they could get something out of C.J. Sapong if you were traded there. Now let's not get ahead of ourselves. So, well, here's the situation. I think when you look at Dallas, they have a pretty good back line and a really good forward line. And Acosta is kind of more of a midfielder, but he hasn't been starting for them. If anything, he's been coming off the bench to kind of... He's been coming back from an injury, so I, I think that's kind of where it's come. I don't... I, I guess maybe they think it's better for both parties if they he just gets a new change in scenery. Maybe they, they, they've had Maxi Aruti leading the lines. Maybe they think, okay, we can drop him deeper. Maybe he's better as a 10. He can fill in for Diaz. And then Baji can be a guy who can get in behind. Uh, we'll see, because they are two completely different players. Uh, Colorado needs as much help as they can get. 
This is and true. Dallas putting out a guy who's got a lot of value and saying, yeah, we'll put him out there. We don't really use him. And saying, yeah, we'll take a risk on this. I I think it's a net positive for both teams, all things considered. Yeah. It, um, I mean, we'll see how Acosta does in a new setting. I know, you know, just last year he was being linked to a move abroad. That never materialized, obviously. And now he, I think his career has come to a bit of a crossroads. I think this next period for Colorado is going to be kind of what determines where he ends up going. Because, I mean, if it doesn't happen now, it's going to be tough for him to get back to that status where he's he was. He's getting into his mid-20s. It's getting to that point where if it's, he's ever going to make that move, and I would imagine he's interested given that he didn't just immediately say, nah, I want to be here because it's not that difficult to do, believe me. you know We've seen it with guys like Jordan Morris who've just made it pretty clear that their careers, they wanted to spend them here. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But like I said, if you want to make that move, it gets harder as you get older because teams do not care for investing for a player you know, moving into his mid-20s that has – had an injury history as Acosta does now. Isn't proven, yeah. He's, you know, like I said, he's a good player, but we'll see how it goes for him. And so we move on then to the Rocky Mountain Cup. Look at that. What a weekend for rivalries. It's Real Salt Lake 2, Colorado Rapids 2, the aforementioned Colorado Rapids. Fun game. Uh, Real Salt Lake goes up 2 nothing in 17 minutes in before giving up a goal in the 33rd minute and then giving up the equalizer in the 88th. The first goal is a penalty given off VAR, and I can see why it was given... I just don't know if there was enough contact when you consider he's already taken a touch. The ball's gotten pretty far. I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a questionable one for me. And then the equalizer, 88 minute, comes off a rebound for Dylan Serna. Uh, this was when Real Salt Lake took a 2-0 lead. I thought this game was over because they've been great. Should have been. They've been. Really abs- should have been, to be fair. Listen, this is a Real Salt Lake team that I don't think there's a lot of confidence in despite being like in a playoff position. And remember, we, last time we talked about them, uh, I, I definitely were not in sixth, right? I honestly can't remember where they were. They were further up. They were much further up, and so now, now they're now they are in sixth. They do, but they have a negative eight goal difference. At that point, they had like a minus ten, and they were in like third place. So what we're looking at is uh, the two points ahead of Minnesota in seventh. I, they're a team that doesn't really get a lot on the road, and if they're losing points at home to this Colorado team especially after having a lead like that, it's not like, you you know, you, you give up, a, a, you get hit on the break. They're really just, uh, it's a silly penalty to give away and then uh, just a, a late heartbreaker. Um, I, I smell trouble for RSL. I don't think they're one of the better teams in the West. Certainly Colorado is. I, I, yeah. Certainly Colorado uh, is one t- of the worst. If you remember, and like I said, I was trying to give, you know, give, give some love to every team in this league at some point when they got off to a, a, a warranting run of play where I could say, okay, so this is what they've done well. This is who plays well on their team. It, it, was di- it wasn't difficult, I, w- I should say. It was just like it was difficult for me to believe that they could actually maintain their form. And I, falling back to earth, look, I, the Western Conference, I guess, is open in the sense that because, like, you, you look at who's behind them. You know, you mentioned Minnesota. I mean, you know, look, their defense is – and we'll talk a little bit about Minnesota in a little bit. But Minnesota is – not exactly great defensively. You're going to need to be if you want to make the playoffs because your goal difference is going to absolutely tank when you keep giving up that many goals. Houston is three points behind but also has two games in hand. That's big for them. Vancouver, four points behind with the same amount of games. I mean, I don't love Vancouver. I've already called them the definition of average, but average gets can get you pretty far when you're consistently getting results, whereas uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I, I would honestly put Vancouver and Real Salt Lake on that same tier. 
And so for Real Salt Lake to be four points ahead of them, I don't think it's I don't think it says good things about where I, I think Real you hit Salt the Lake nail on the head there. I mean, what well, we have. Th- I think three teams in the West where we say, okay, they're a tier above everyone else. And don't forget the Sounders who are currently surging. I think then after those three teams, I think we see, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams who there's three in the top, two in the bottom, and seven mid-table, basically, is how we look at this. Colorado and San Jose are, I mean, abysmal. Is that a, is that a mean way of putting it? They're no. bad teams. They're bad teams. It's it's really not. I don't even think it's really for debate anymore. We're we're in July. You you are what you are. And, and Colorado's three points behind the Sounders, who I'm very very. Um, they should be thankful that I'm not putting them in the bad category right now because it seems like I always give them credit for being able to turn it around. I don't know about them. I don't know about Toronto turning it around. The last two finalists. I mean, the Galaxy and Portland are there right now, but. Like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, even further than that, we, you know, we didn't weren't know what we we're gonna see out of them. Houston and RSL were up there, so things can be turned around on a, on a dime. I I do think Houston's one of the better teams, uh, all th- with just talent wise. But if you can't get the results, you can't get a result. It's true, and uh, it's gonna be an interesting, gonna be an interesting run here because we're coming up on August, and it's gonna be playoff push time before you know it. So, that's that's where we stand there. We move on. Portland two, Montreal Impact two. Talking about weird things that have happened since we left MLS. Montreal are in a playoff spot now. Yeah, that same Montreal we left for dead back in late May. I'm not entirely convinced. I'm more convinced about them than I am about Real Salt Lake. I will say that. Uh, they'll keep. The, I'm not convinced that they'll keep it up. But going to Portland and getting a result like that—that's the kind of thing that makes me believe that you know that that there is real quality in this team. It's one thing, you know hosting Colorado and then giving up two goal lead. That's that's not great. They go to Portland. They take the early lead thanks to Safir tight air in the 23rd minute. Evan Bush, not his best game. Uh, oh, he has, yeah, that was rough. He's made an absolute meal of a cross. At, well, I, I, I call it a cross. I, I'm not sure if it was a shot across. He, like, basically pops it straight up in the air. Uh, Christian Paredes does. And Armenteros is there to just pick up the pieces and equalize the who, game. Who he's? I just want to say Armenteros has been absolutely great. A for revelation Portland. for them and has completely displaced Fernando Adi. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, At when he gets when Christmas he gets the ball, he, he looks... See, here's the thing. is He doesn't look athletic. He's like five... He's like my size, my build. But he's quick. He has great footwork. And when he gets it, you just think, hey, he might just dribble through everyone. He's so fun to watch. He's got a very but, low center of gravity. Yeah, but that goal was not pretty. That... All right. Well, here again, we've got his goalkeepers union rep here. Uh, what are you doing? What, what do you want me to? What do you want me to say with that? That he he drops the ball right in front of him. I, <laughs> what's he trying to do? He he tries to hold it and he just drops it. He he's kind of backpedaling in a weird way. I mean, in defense, listen, wow. Evan Evan Bush concedes more goals. He's old he, enough to know better. Yeah. He's the thing is he doesn't make a lot of mistakes for Montreal. So I think you can gift him this one. Unfortunately, despite the situation it's in. Uh, but it's good signs for Montreal, all things considered. It's not a bad draw. They probably could have won it, all things considered. Probably should have won it. But you probably should have won it, yeah. But they get a 2-2 draw in Portland, a team that's been getting results. Uh, I, I'm impressed with them so far. They put bring in, like, what, like a 38-year-old Fanny in center back? And the guy's been a revelation there. He's shorn things up in a defense that has been lackluster. Um, Danny Lovett's still gone strong at left back. He's He's been playing well. 
And finally, it looks like Piatti is going to have to do everything on his own now. Yes, congratulations to Ignacio Piatti, who is clearly the big winner since we've been gone, who probably thinks, thank finally. goodness. Saphir Tider is finally playing to his ability. Yeah, it's, things are looking up for Montreal. Uh, definitely the pass of the week, by the way, comes in this one, as Ignacio Piatti, two minutes after that horrific mistake by Evan Bush, this, uh, leads Montreal to taking the lead again, this time from a goal from Matteo Moncosu. There you go. And as if we're trapped in a never-ending cycle, by the way, Evan Bush again has a cross come in, except this time he has a bats it straight for Diego Valeri, who happily equalizes. This one's tougher. This one, It's still going to give credit as an error to him. It's a little tougher because it's a pretty hard cross, almost point-blank, into his face and from Sebastian Blanco. Remy Gard basically got sent off for arguing as Montreal felt that Valeri fouled Bush on the goal. Um... I didn't see it that way. I, you know, at at some point, I think that if you were if you wanted to call a foul there, I, I don't know what the striker would be able to do at that point because you'd basically be limiting him to never being able to make contact with the goalkeeper. It's, the contact is very limited. It's not malicious in any sort of way. The ball's coming in. What, is, what do you want him to do? Move out of the way? I mean, he, he's got a right to the ball. Yeah, what do you want him to do? Move out of the way? I hate to say it, but um, he Bush makes a mistake here, and. Uh, Valeri's just there. Um, tough game for Bush. And you can, you know, you know it's rough when even the goalkeepers union here in front of me can't articulate a defense for the guy. He just, he, there's just nothing to be said, and that's fair. Sometimes it really is just nothing to say. You, you mess up, and you have to do better. So basically, Montreal were two goalkeeping errors really away from getting a, a great win. But hey, on the other side, congrats to Montreal for getting their first draw of the season. That's true. Big time in Montreal. It's right crazy because that should have been a win. And if we're seeing normal Evan Bush, who's been ver- one of their better players. Serviceable all goalkeeper. Serviceable, sure. but given how they've been playing, he's been one of their best players left out to dry for the most part. Uh, they were 9-0-12 nine and, nine, and before this. 12 losses. So somehow a team with 12 losses is in the playoffs. Go figure. Uh, they have played two more games in the Philadelphia Union. Uh, but have four extra points. So uh, a big turnaround. All yeah, things so this considered. is what can happen in the East. And uh, like I said, I believe I certainly believe this more than I believe Real Salt Lake. And we move on then to the final game. Minnesota United 5, LAFC 1 on Sunday. Uh, don't look now, but Minnesota are two points out of a playoff spot. I'll tell you what, and as far as the in-season signings go, I think Darwin Quintero's got to be number one right now on the list for you know best signings midseason because this guy can seemingly do no wrong. And when Minnesota purchased him from Club America, this is the best case scenario they could have thought up because I, I, I you know I had the uh, pleasure of watching a lot of his career down in Mexico, and I can tell you that from day one there was some, there was a lot of expectation put on him, and he almost never really delivered. He was always a serviceable player. And at times he showed flashes of the player that they thought they were purchasing, but he never really transformed into that elite level talent that they wanted. And so he was kind of shipped off as kind of just thought of a as a sunk cost, a player that just they I, I'm I just really didn't fit the mold of the team anymore because he he he's his goal scoring uh, was going to be was too few and far between down there. It was not his pace was not as electric as it seems to be for Minnesota now. So. Uh, congratulations to Minnesota, who whose first DP signing seems to have they seem to have really knocked it out of the park. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, they also brought in Christian Ramirez as a strike partner for him. That seems to be working out. Uh, they do. They got Romario Ibarra, who they brought in, who's on the bench. So some good signings. I remember in the beginning of the season, it was Calvo who was saying we don't get any attention. Mm-hmm. When this we make signings like these, uh, we're I, paying attention now, Calvo. Yeah, you start paying attention. That said, 
you, you still got to continue to get results. Okay, that's a fantastic result against an LAFC team that's getting all their talent back, that's been playing phenomenally. Uh, but now you got to do it again. You got to do the next game and the next game and the next game. And Minnesota's been <laughs> and, and the next one and the next one. And Minnesota's a team that we've seen to be very inconsistent. Uh, they have a, I would say, a, a favorable, all things considered, schedule remaining. Vancouver, Seattle, Galaxy, Dallas, and Sporting Kansas City is probably their toughest, but also most influential stretch. Um, three potential, three playoff teams right now. Get some results there. You can display some. And then they have D.C., Real Salt Lake. Um, so th- they got some chances against some not great They're, teams. All they play well at home. The thing about it for me, for Minnesota, the difference is going to be this. This defense in this game was decent, but LAFC's one goal comes from not the best uh, defensive plays. They're very average, honestly. So what I will say is that they've given up 40 goals this season. That is the most in the West. Only really Real Salt Lake. Oh, it's the second most. Excuse me. Uh, Vancouver has somehow given up 42. Oh, my God, Vancouver. So, and, and then in the East, the only two teams that have given up more are Chicago and Orlando. Not two teams you want to be associated with defensively these days. It, 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 that's going to have to change, and we'll see if it does because it, it, they just have to be, like I said, they're very average on their at their best. That's, that's really all they actually need. If they can keep their defense to average and then some games having it above average, that's fine. But the way they're currently constructed, it feels like they they tinker between sometimes they're average and sometimes they are dreadful. And those dreadful performances, they're, they're very tough to recover from constantly. So their offense is good. I worry that their defense might sink them in the future. That's that, that's going to be their weakest point. It's going to be something to look for in them in the future. Uh, when I think about the West, I mentioned like the three top teams. But as it is now, the Galaxy and Portland, fourth and fifth, it's theirs to lose right now. I think they have the quality to remain there. So really, it's that sixth-place position where Real Salt Lake, Minnesota, Houston, Vancouver, and Seattle are going to have to look at it and say, okay, who wants it more? You know, I'm not saying that Portland is going to necessarily keep that fifth spot, but, I mean, it would take some really bad play for that to happen. Same thing with the Galaxy. Yeah. it's They have the talent to keep it. I don't think they should. They can. If you, if you like scheduling conflicts, which I do because I like to watch the world burn. Yeah, we all know that. If what you up? want to watch the world burn, you basically you're rooting for the LA Galaxy, Minnesota United, and Seattle to make the playoffs. Why do I say that? Well, come playoff time in October, as we all know, the NFL is going on. Seattle shares a stadium with the Seahawks. Minnesota shares their stadium with the Golden Gophers of Minnesota college football. So a little different, but creates the same issue nonetheless. Same issue, of course. And of course, we have um, the LA Galaxy, who currently share their stadium with the Los Angeles Chargers. So, just saying, come August, uh, come uh, October, we could have some fun scheduling quirks for the playoffs, and I'm always a fan of those. So, I think it's time to wrap this thing up. Uh, no rest for the wicked on this podcast. we got a big mid- midweek action this week. Three games tomorrow on Wednesday, two big games on Thursday. Primetime doubleheader on ESPN. You start at 8 p.m. Eastern with Orlando City versus NYCFC, and then 10.30 Eastern, on ESPN, LAFC versus LA Galaxy, El Trafico, Part Dos, first ever one at Bank of California Stadium. Rough for the East Coast, I know, with that 10.30 kick. Probably be even later than that, knowing the way this league runs. Probably looking at it like a 10.40, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe just skip all work altogether on Friday. Don't yeah, what do you? Yeah, you don't need to go to work. Come on, this is bigger than work. This is bigger than life itself. This is bigger this than is American everything. soccer. Yes. So that's there's that Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. ESPN cornering the market this week, by the way, on uh, national TV games. Portland Timbers against the Houston Dynamo. And then Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, Seattle. Host NYCFC. That should be an interesting one. Chance for Seattle to turn things around against a tough team. Yeah, it's going to be very big for them. And then later that same night, 9.30 Eastern, the LA Galaxy host Orlando City on FS1. Interesting, that one there. Uh, I guess they were hoping Orlando would be better at that point. Who knows? All right, Sarah, here it is. What is your game to watch this week? Well, look, I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's the Trafico. We both know it's the Trafico, but in the spirit of not stating the obvious, give me Sporting Kansas City against FC Dallas, Battle of 1 versus 3 in the West. Oh, my God, that is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go New York Red Bulls versus Columbus Crew SC. This is a game of two, well, Jesse Marshall isn't there, but two tactically adept teams, probably already in the playoffs, but... If you want some good soccer, if you like watching the game, that'll be a good one to watch. Yeah, so there you go. We're back to the uh, to the old MLS grind, back to the weekly show of MLS. That's basically that's basically all we have. Not unless we want to talk about a fun European rumor that I saw today that apparently Inter Milan are close to activating Messi's release clause. I love a good tabloid story. Oh, you stop about that Inter Milan. Oh, this is the goodness. American soccer show. No, but that is what was his release clause on that? It's like six hundred million. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if they could afford that, but it's always fun to go into the speculation. Anything's possible. Ronaldo left for Juve while we were gone, sort of. Well, well, it, we had a little bit of a, a quiet period here in Europe. Uh, it's the preseason. Maybe we'll get some International Champions Cup if uh, if the fans really want it. Uh, but ah, oh, what a time to be an American soccer fan. Yeah, and if you're uh, and if you're ready for the European season, if you're tired of hearing about this, don't worry. The the Community Shield, I believe, is the first. Uh, like of the Super Cup slash like you know glorified friendlies that everyone loves so much that'll be coming back soon, and I believe it's August fifth. Oh, it's actually I tell you what the first one is technically August fourth. The Trophy de Champions from La France. Le, oh yeah, big that's game gonna be, between Monaco and PSG, which I'm sure will always be entertaining. Everyone will be looking into. But until then, enjoy the MLS action. Enjoy your summer. Uh, and enjoy the American Soccer Show because that's all the time we have today. Uh, don't forget to s- listen to us wherever podcasts are held at this point. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Podcast. I mean, we're on sites that we never even knew existed. They come and they find us, they contact us, they say, We want you on our site. We <laughs> cannot live without you. So uh. I suggest you do the same. Um, Download, don't listen. I don't know what the saying is, but um, if you have any questions, send them along. We'd love to answer them and hear from you. Uh, Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantara of the American Soccer Show signing off.